Good evening, and welcome to another episode of And When I Say I Mean, I am your co-host, Austin. And I am your other co-host, Adrian. So I am living a weird mixture of being a hobo and living large. <laughs> you're like so, a you're like a nomad that like stumbled upon uh, an oasis. Uh, no, I'm like an uh like a nomad in the sense that Abraham was a nomad. Okay, okay. He's just got like thousands of sheep as well and camels. <laughs> Don't forget the camels. <laughs> But I I get to this place, so I'm living out of my car, right? Where are you now? I don't I'm in recognize DC. this building. Okay. Oh, I'm in a hotel. Oh. Cause I got kicked out of my my dorm, right? Uh huh. Cause my internship's over. Well, they kicked me out before my internship was over, but. Well, that's lame. It, it was frustrating, and they told me the Wednesday before. I, wow. Like I had to move out on Saturday. Wednesday, I get an email, and they're like, "Hey." Move out by Saturday. It's like, okay, thanks, guys. So, I'm living out of my car, right? And have been for this past week. And then I get to this hotel, and they have valet parking, which I was not prepared for them to have. And it really caught me off guard. Because I'm living out of my car, and they're asking me to just hand my car over to them. Like, all my worldly possessions aren't in it. So, not only is it just like, if I give you my car, now I'm just definitely homeless. It's like, if I give you my car, I look like I'm a hoarder because all of my possessions are in my car. Uh It's just piled up with clothes in the back. Uh, I've got, like, a pile of books on the passenger seat. It probably smells like laundry in there. Mm -hmm. Um, Not clean laundry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I walk in because I'm like, shoot, I did not expect this. So I've got to get all the clothes that I need for this conference. And uh, because I haven't done laundry for a week, I'm running mm-hmm. low on clothes, right? And so I'm like, I threw all of my extra socks into this garbage bag. <laughs> so I walk into this super fancy hotel carrying a suit and a garbage nice. bag full <laughs> Of extra clothes. <laughs> Is it just dirty? A bag of dirty clothes? No, 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 no. They were clean clothes. But it was a garbage bag. Um, so good. And I get to the front desk, and the guy's like, because I'm just like, at this point, I'm just like, this is way f- above my raisin here. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like very a- just like hesitant to go up to this front desk, because the, uh-huh. last, uh, the first time I tried... The woman at the desk is like, oh, please, step back. This family was waiting. I was like, okay, oh my. relax. Uh, so I'm just hesitant. And he's like, have you never checked into a hotel before? I'm like, I have never checked into a hotel this fancy before. Nice. Uh, so here I am. Um, all of my worldly possessions are have been taken from me. I don't know how to get them back. Um because this ticket they gave me said to call them 30 minutes ahead of time, but it did not give me a number to call. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I'm really confused and worried that all of my possessions will be stolen, as well as my car. Naturally. Um, but I also just had veal, and it was really good. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's a very it's a strange time life? in the life of Austin. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But anyway, <laughs> I I was I was saddened to learn that I communicated very poorly. Uh, I think two episodes ago. In where, some respects, that's not too surprising. <laughs> well, most of the time I communicate poorly, and people aren't upset about it. That okay, fair. Um, so I I apologize. I I said that I don't care about other people's opinions. Not meaning that I don't care about other people. I I meant, and you understood, I think, yes. that yes, I, was, I, I was speaking in the context of, like, online reviews for things. And for me, almost entirely books or movies. Um, and so when I said I don't trust, in, I said I think in general I don't trust other people's opinions. <laughs> and so I'm... 
that sounds really bad, but it's a great quote out of context. <laughs> I meant that I don't trust online reviews of things. Yes, yes. Uh, because if if like a million people say that a book is great, that means a million different things. Um, because like different people think books are great for different reasons. So if if it's a person I don't know, it saying like. Some random person thinks a book is good. That's meaningless to me because mm-hmm. I don't know what they like. I don't know what they think is good in a book or movie. Like I have a friend who loves Transformers and he like he would say the third one or something is good. But I don't think I would watch the third Transformer movie and think it was good. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't trust random people's online reviews because I have no idea what they value from a book or TV show or a movie. Mm-hmm. So if I know you and I know what you like and if I know things that you think are good or you know me and you say, hey, I think you think this would be good, I'm going to value that. Like That holds a lot more weight to me than a billion mm-hmm. online random people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm gonna use the example of a person that I don't know personally, but so like, um, uh, in in normal circumstances, I would never read A Fault in Our Stars, but it's written by John Green, and uh-huh. I like I like a lot of things about John Green, um, so the fact that he's endorsed it, mostly by writing it. Right. To me, is like, oh, that outweighs like the billions of people who love this book. Mm-hmm. Just his his one singular voice. Um, so in some ways, you very highly value people's opinions, but only people who you know and like who you know what they're saying. Like you know who they are, and they know who you are to some extent. Right, because it, it like because in your example you just gave. You know who John Green is, and so his one recommendation Mm -hmm. is stronger than millions of other people's recommendations when those millions of recommendations are actually, like, wanting you to not read it more. Yeah, that's true. I agree with what he said. I watched a video where he said he assumes that all books on the New York Times bestseller list are garbage. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I... I agree with that, generally. But then he said he felt bad because he then wrote a book to to be number one on the New York Times bestsellers list. So he didn't. He was very conflicted <laughs> then. Um, Classic. But yeah, I, I to me something being popular doesn't make it good to me. So that's what I meant when I said that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I apologize for. Those I hurt. Um, but so, as I was saying that, that if you think I said that statement and that makes me elitist and you don't like that, I think that still stands. Um, <laughs> so, continue to be offended by that. Um, but I'm not. I'm not like call, saying I don't care about you specifically. I just care about. Um, to me, books being good is not the same as what other people think books is good. That's true for everyone. Right. A book isn't good just because – or a movie's not good just because somebody else endorsed it. For instance, I'm trying to think of a movie that somebody – everybody was like, this is terrible. But then I went and saw it. It was actually pretty good. I can give you a counterexample, or like an opposite example. Logan, everyone says is really good, and you thought it was eh. Yeah, that's fair. Or even like um, Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, yeah. Anyways, it just goes back to one of our favorite themes of form your own opinion. Yeah. I, and there probably are books that everyone likes that are good. But I'm not going to assume it's good because everyone likes it. Yep, that's fair. So, sorry. 
Speaking of apologies, um, there has been... So I want to talk about two different things. Uh, the first is an incident with a, a poetry journal called The National. These two events have been hot in the, the news of the cultural elite. So I, <laughs> to sound, to sound uh, elitist, right? So I was, yeah. I was watching or listening to this podcast um, called The Briefing by mm-hmm. Albert Mueller. And he was talking about two articles from The Atlantic like from weeks ago. So he was on vacation, whatever. Um, and he, he said the Atlantic is where the cultural elites propagate their own beliefs and share their own opinions. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, it's, it's probably pretty accurate. But anyway, <laughs> the, the <laughs> these two things have been riling up the Atlantic at least. Um, are these incidents, just so everybody knows going into this conversation, I have no idea anything about these incidents. I'm about to learn all of it from Austin right now. Right. So So it's going to be, it's going to be going back to our old roots of me not knowing anything and formulating. (laughs) And I'm talking about the Atlantic. Right. Classic. Um, So these aren't the, the, there were other things riling up the Atlantic this week, such as the trial of Paul Manafort. Not we talking about it. Get on, get on with so, it. So the first one, uh, the a poetry journal called the National published a poem by a a guy whose last name I'm forgetting. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the important part of the story is he is white, but he wrote this poem using the voice of a African American homeless woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was written. Some parts of it were written in the African-American vernacular English, um, or AAVE for short. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was very offensive to many people. Um, people were offended because he was using AAVE in this poem, mm-hmm. and he's white. And he's white. So um, the the first article that I read about this was a defense of this guy um it was he was the author was saying um you should the first he said the national because the the journal later apologized for publishing this saying mm-hmm. oh we should have never done this this is a awful disgrace the poet apologized for it mm-hmm. um so i read a First, I read an article by someone who was saying AAVE needs to be recognized as a true way to speak English. Um, and if that's if it's accepted as a true way to speak English, then people have to be okay with it being used to portray accurately how African Americans speak, mm-hmm. even by non. Because he he was saying like, um, we want acceptance of he's African American. We want acceptance of African American vernacular as a legitimate use of English, mm-hmm. and we can't have that. And also say no one else can use it, use it to portray African Americans. Right. Um, and then the second article that I read was a former editor of the the national the journal which says we should never po- we should never apologize for anything we publish um and that this was a betrayal of the poet and the magazine and free speech to apologize for this um that's easy for him to say now that he's no longer the editor uh that's true well i think it was a woman um excuse me <laughs> but uh they they were defending past controversial poems that uh-huh. had been published and saying what should have been done was you should have just published r- responses sent to the journal um, in the next issue and not mm-hmm. apologize for publishing it in the first place. Uh, because if if poetry can't be weird and experimental, then what can be? I think that's probably fair. Yeah. Um 
So that's the first event that has rocked the world of the Atlantic, at least. The mm-hmm. second, uh, which is, it's <laughs> this is a, a more, I think, recognized event. So, um, it, as rocking the world. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, a... The New York Times has hired a new editor, um, whose name I'm forgetting. Uh, yeah, just look up these articles. Uh, <laughs> so they hired a new editor. We'll put them in the description. In the doobly do. Um, <laughs> that's what PBS Digital Studios calls the the thing underneath the YouTube. So does so do Hank and John. Yeah, they're part of PBS Digital Studios. Okay. Continue. I'm just following their convention. Anyway. We're not a part of PBS Idea Channel. Oh, I wish. All right, okay, again, we're getting off track. We <laughs> we need to keep moving. So, um, quickly after her hiring, it came about that she had tweeted um, offensively in the past to specifically mm-hmm. white people. Um, such Question. At, yes. Is this editor... Of what race? She and is an Asian American woman. Okay. So she said things such as, uh, I think it was like, OMG, I love being cruel to old white men. Um, wow. And said something, this is a paraphrase, but it was like, uh, white people are predisposed to be burned by the sun, so does that mean they should live underground like grimy goblins? Uh, so she has said that this was uh, a satire to to tweet over the top things to reflect the over the top language used uh, about her, women Asian Americans, etc lots of people are mad about it Um, lots of people are mad about people being mad at it Classic. So I've read I've read a couple articles about it. The first one was called "The Utility of White Bashing," which was really interesting. Uh, it was written by <laughs> it was written by an Asian American, saying that um, that is a way to to show your inness in high institutions of culture, such as um, Ivy League universities or Journals such as the New York Times. So they were saying, fascinating, right? If your goal is to be accepted to a a high highly competitive university, you want to model the characteristics that they're looking for. Um, and so it, it is very in apparently or beneficial to bash white people because white people in power are bashing white people. Um, are they? Uh, apparently. Mm. Okay. Um, and so I then read a a second article, and then linked to a third article on not the Atlantic. It was on the National Review, um, saying you shouldn't fire this person, and she has not been fired. Mm-hmm. This editor. Um, you shouldn't fire this person because we should stop just firing people based on Twitter, which is that's I a great that's argument. A, I, I agree with that statement. Although, um, anyways, that could go but, down a rabbit hole. So but, this uh, this article was, I think it was called like "Stop firing people because of Twitter," but also take white sorry. hate seriously. Uh, but also, especially things that they've tweeted like in the past. Yeah. Looking now I, under, I understand like that still is valid and the things they're saying are still potentially, you know, terrible and racist. But it's like like I th- I think I heard it I think I heard something like in a like some kind of sports context where there was like a baseball player who's now like in the MLB. I'm potentially fabricating this entire story, but it's something Great. to this extent. Um he like something like when he was 17 tweeted something and is now like potentially like no longer on the team mm-hmm, or something mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that anyways so that leads to what i'm hoping is the question 
of this to continue our demographics in crisis. Uh, Specifically aimed at ourselves. Oh, yeah, yeah. Our demographics, like the two of us. Right, right, right. Um, so are white people in crisis now? Because the oh, one, of, one of the more interesting questions to come from these is uh, what is racism? Um, mm-hmm. And who does racism apply to? Uh, because some people are saying, and this has been, been said before this, um, that uh, racism is inherently, inherently linked to power. So right. only people in the powerful position of society can be racist, mm-hmm. um, which just seems like semantics to me because then you would just say they're bigoted. Right. Um, so that, that seems like a needless distinction to me. Um, but I also think it's interesting that the term uh, reverse racism kind of agrees with that premise. Right. Um, like re- you say reverse racism to mean that other people besides white people can be racist. But by mm-hmm. saying reverse racism instead of just racism, you're kind of uh, going in with that premise that non-white racism is different than racism. Right, right. In America. Right. Okay, so th- are you asking me a question? And if so, is that question, is our white people in crisis? Uh, or, did, or did you ask That's kind of got to be a question, just because that's the, the name of the rest of our videos. Right. Um, but we can ask smaller questions, like... Uh, well, I, my, I guess my thought was let, we could ask smaller questions to get to the larger question by the end of the episode. Sure. So do you have any questions? No, you're supposed to ask me questions oh, okay. because you've been talking for like 20 minutes now. Great. Um, so should the New York Times fire uh, this editor? Um, again, I don't really think so um, based on what I was saying about firing people based on past Twitter comments. Mm-hmm. Um, again... I totally understand how past Twitter comments and are very much indicative of potentially how these people think on the daily basis and continue to live their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, but also to to also give another shout out to John Green, just get off of Twitter. Just everybody, yeah. just stop using Twitter. Yeah, we don't need it. Amen. I, does anybody gain anything from Twitter? Um, some political movements. Shockingly. Why is that a thing? Why Why are political movements... Do you mean like social political movements? Uh, I'm talking about like Me Too and Black Lives Matter. Okay, yeah. So, okay, that's fine. Those that, seem like good a, uses of Twitter. Okay, but I thought you were talking about like Trump doing random garbage on Twitter. Oh, no. That's not what I meant. Okay, yeah. No, social... I would call that social political, but maybe that's a misnomer. Anyways... Um, so should she be fired? I don't know. I don't know how to handle those situations, and I don't really have to. Um, Cop out. I don't know. Do you think she, I, my initial response is no, she shouldn't be fired. I, but, I agree. No. But, like, if a, if a white person had said something like that, they would have been fired, probably. They would have been, but I would still say they shouldn't be fired. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I guess like what's the larger issue like like it, it, we we're trying to solve I don't know I'm going to make a statement that may or not be true bring it we're trying to solve racism by like pinpointing specific instances as in like you can't tweet racist comments or you can't make racist jokes like that's not going to changing your behavior doesn't result in changing the root cause mm-hmm. right like just because i s- try to stop i i don't i think i make racist jokes but it's just an example just because i stop making racist jokes doesn't mean all of a sudden i'm not racist anymore <laughs> D- does yeah. that make sense yeah like i it's, agree we're, we're, by firing someone who makes a racist comment you're not trying you're you're not actually solving the issue you're mm-hmm. just like pushing it further down the road so like oh remember my my lecture on the Civil War? Yep. 
<laughs> uh, so, like when I said the Civil War ends, and but it's still the question of, like, can can white and black people live together? Because mm-hmm. uh, that that was like the question throughout the history of the United States for whatever right. reason since the beginning. Uh, yeah, um, and so like just because you know black people aren't slaves it's clear that racism didn't end because of reconstruction and post-reconstruction policies in the south right so just you know just because behavior changed or is forced to be changed by an outside entity doesn't address the underlying issues exactly so so i don't so i think it's finally kind of this whole idea of reverse racism or whatever, which I would say is just racism, um, is finally coming to – it's just the next step in us continuing to kick this perpetual problem down the road because by not, like, helping the situation, now everybody's racist, right? Like, now instead of, like, trying to solve the issue and just being like, okay, let's change habits and change behavior – so we don't do these racist things. Now everybody is racist. I don't know if that makes sense, but mm-hmm. again, I'm just thinking. So uh, one thing I I thought was uh, some there was, was a great article on the National Review, um, where they were asking, should you said earlier that if a white person had said this, they would absolutely be fired, right? Um, and so should we? take people saying things that are bigoted towards white people not seriously because they're white people. Um, no, I think you should definitely take it seriously mm-hmm. because it, because again, it's getting, it's, it's, it's not about, it's not about who the response is directed to because it, it's, it's not even about, it's not even in a sense it's not even about racism it's just about people not liking other people yeah or people just mistrusting us other people and out of fear or whatever because they are not themselves or the people they know and so it's not about um where was that going what was the question you asked oh should we take it seriously yes of course we should take it seriously in the same way that we should treat everything seriously or not everything seriously we should treat everything seriously (laughs) Woo! but like um yeah like of course we should treat it seriously because it's not again it's not about like it is i mean to some extent it is about power or the majority versus the minority but in reality i think it's really about like people just hating other people or people Mm -hmm. just being rude and untrusting and unloving of other people when in reality and so it should be important because what we need to can combat racism is not more racism it's mm-hmm. actually people like saying okay hey like what's the root cause of this not let's fight fire with fire right what well, i think the best point that this author for the national review made was that um It was something, and that it's completely slipped my mind. Um, it's probably really important. It it is really important. Um, oh, it's that even if hate is justified, hate is not the the correct response. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. I don't know if it's not the correct response, but it's not a a useful response for functioning as a society. Or uh, if we want to strive for something loftier than functioning as a society like right. being reconciled as people so right. lots of people are saying that uh right that because of the history of injustices towards african americans that they are justified in hating white people and that's probably true um but just because something is justified doesn't make it right right um, and in the same way just because at some point African and Africans were slaves and white people owned them doesn't mean that they are then justified to treat them poorly. Right. Like mm-hmm. just because like it, it works on both sides. Well, or I mean, that, they, they might that be white people can, they might be our, justified, but it it's wrong. Right. But it doesn't give us 
as white people an excuse to continue to perpetuate those things. Right, right. He he. His example, though I'm going to flip it slightly, was about a soldier uh, who comes back and hates um, Islamic people because he's been fought and his friends have been killed by uh, Islamic extremists. So I was going to flip mm-hmm. it and say, like, we've been bombing the Middle East for since the 90s at least. Mm-hmm. So is like we st- won't, like even though hatred for the United States is justified by these groups, it's still not right. Right. Um so and then a, a question that I I had talked about with my dad is can you how do you help white people um so can you uh, elaborate that question yeah 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 um the final point that this national review article made was saying it's about power is is very uh, slippery right because not all Mm -hmm. white people have power like they maybe they have some power, but not all white people have more power than everyone else who's in a minority group. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, like, if you're the editor of the New York Times, you clearly have some power. Uh, right. So you, you – like, it's a it's – a, do is it really just because she's an Asian woman, she has inherently less power than some white farmer in Nevada – Ooh, Nevada. Are there farms in Nevada? <laughs> I meant to say Nebraska. Okay. Um, and he's saying, no, not really. But is that is that is that something that could be said on Twitter without being flame word for it? Could you say like, or like, um, I don't know if the opioid epidemic is disproportionately affecting white people, but it is at least proportionately affecting white people. So how mm-hmm, do, mm-hmm. Can, how do you say, Oh, we need to hi- help these people who are also struggling. What, like, doesn't that, isn't that perceived as racist? And if so, what do we do about it? So, to repeat your question to make sure I understand what you're saying. It's a long question. How do we help white people who are struggling or in lower positions, for example, struggling with opioids, without it seeming racist? Yes. Um, I think Would that... you agree that, that like, we need to help white people? Like yeah. that would be perceived as racist, right? The other day, I was thinking. I was thinking again about how um, I think this is true that suicide rates are highest between or in like white middle-aged men or something like that. If you ignore Native Americans. Okay. Well, I was thinking about that the other day and was like, "How do we do something about that?" Mm-hmm. Um. So I think to answer your question is to continue to kind of go on what I am kind of getting at is that it's not about what the people look like but the fact that they're just people um and the other thing is like you can't I I can't make somebody understand why why the reason I'm doing something so if I go out and I feel like okay hey I need to my community for instance I mean New New Hampshire is one of the like worst states for like opioids in the entire United States. And so and for largely me, white. Right, exactly. So if for me I say like, wow, I really feel like I need to go out and serve in my community in this way and somebody looks at it and looks at me and says, Oh wow, that's so racist, you're only helping the white people I can't really change I can't really affect how that person is thinking. Like I don't know if my if I feel like if my actions are are not out of my my actions what I'm doing in that situation is not because I am racist or because I only care about white people it's like here's a need in my community I'm going to go help that 
Um, I can't help how other people perceive those actions, I guess. Um, I don't know. Does that answer your question? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I tried to argue with our dad that it's it's really... I feel like most of the... Uh, a lot of the divides in power right now are economically, and I know mm-hmm. that's like historically tied to oppression um but poor people in general are doing poorly um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so to me that's more of a pressing disconnect so uh, this gets to a question i wanted to ask earlier like why doesn't bernie sanders just win everything um this is very unrelated but do you want to elaborate that question so oh, yeah. people understand yeah, what you Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the founders were worried that some someone would come along and say, hey, if you elect me, I will have the, the keys to the treasury, which is not true because that's really Congress, but they could lie. Um, elect me, and I will pour money on you. You will have everything, and it will be free and beautiful. Um just elect me and you'll get everything you want. It's, so to me, that sounds a lot like Bernie, though mm-hmm. Bernie would say it with more of a New York accent. Um, um. But it also sounds a lot like Trump. So maybe Bernie it, just came at a, at, a, at a poor time. Well, I think, I think the pro... Anyways, this, this may be getting down a rabbit hole we don't want to go to. But I think... Trump's stand the way he was phrasing it hit more hard with the classic American dream. Yeah, that's definitely a, true. And and Bernie did not. Um so I think that that was maybe the reason it was more appealing to a large larger number of people. Um but I think what was your question getting at originally why like Oh, I yeah, I was just saying Social, I think economic economical. Demi- they're they're more they're more of the real fault lines than racially. Right. So that's a controversial statement. Um but I don't think it's controversial to say poor people aren't doing well in America. Right. Um and in some in some ways that people people are just as racist towards poor people as they are to mm-hmm. people of other races or whatever the the term needs to be because it's not racist, but you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Uh, that this also it's, it has sparked interesting conversations or writing articles back and forth about the term white trash mm-hmm. and if it should be used, I read an article saying that it should be dropped um because it enforces racial stereotypes and also to means poor white people as mm-hmm. being not not really white um i was just thinking i don't know if we want to go there but the the SNL skit with uh, oh yeah black jeopardy with tom <laughs> hanks yeah yeah it's it's pretty good. Um, so to get back to the original question, are white people in crisis? I, I don't really know if I know what that question means or the extent of what that question is asking. Because um, it seems really large, in the sense yeah. that is it is the is the white the white power. The power that is held by white people in crisis. I, I don't really know how to fully answer that question. I think that it's just very different now, um, and not because of people racial, not because of racial slurs towards white people. I think maybe that adds to it, but more of kind of what we were talking about on the economical divide. Yeah. Um, on that side of things. Um, 
and white in in a lot of lots of parts of the country, white people are becoming less and less of the majority um, in general. Um, I don't know this for a hundred percent fact, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. Um, does that mean that it, there's a crisis only in the event that racism in general persists? Um, so that to that aspect of that question, what what other aspects of the question is there? Um, I was gonna say maybe. Because mm-hmm. I I think it's I think it's safe to say there are uh, crisis is such a strong word. Right. But there like. That's why we're using it. Poor white people have, like, lots of... There are a lot of troubles. Um, And I... I sound pretentious saying that. Um, But, I mean, it goes for any any poor people, right? Right. And so, um, I think what would be, like, the looming storm... (laughs) The calm before the storm... um, to get that QAnon reference in, mm-hmm. wink, wink at my conspiracy theorist fans. Um, it would be if if um, people say they're not worth helping. Um, like getting back to that utility of white bashing article, like if if rich people so cut themselves off from this hurting segment of society that they are just completely lost, that seems like a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe um, it it depends on who you are. Um, Right. And it depends on how much money you have. Right. So I think to answer the then let's get personal then. To answer the question personally, am am I in crisis as a white person? My initial response to that is yes to some extent. To the extent that this you you don't know where, where I'm going with this maybe yes in the extent that I I will I frequently am concerned that I might be like just inherently racist even though I don't feel like I necessarily am. But I think so the fact that I don't necessarily come into contact with that many people who aren't white I think is part of the crisis. Um and so like in a sense this might not even be answering the question. But for me personally if if my what I was saying earlier about the not changing behavior but changing the root cause of what is causing racism, which I mm-hmm. think is a lot of the fact that we just don't really know people other than white people and understand people of different races and nationalities, if that's the crisis, then like yes, I need to be putting myself into situations where I can actually be meeting people from other countries and other cultures. Um, and, and not just coming at it from a perspective of like, Hey, I'm a white person who's trying to meet these people and become less racist, but like genuinely viewing them as people and people that like I can care about and learn from, Mm -hmm. um, I don't necessarily think I do a very good job of that. And which is why I would say that I fall into the potential crisis category, right? And so, like, that's and, – and so I think if if I don't do that, then – and I only keep to myself, and I think this goes for maybe all cultures and, and races. If By only keeping to ourselves, you're just going to continue to perpetuate the problem. Um, and maybe it will look nice on the outside because we won't make racial slurs because our behavior has changed. But I think if nothing changes internally, then – your people are still racist. I did not know where you're going with that because I, I would have said personally, I do not feel like I'm in a crisis. Right, but but it depends on how you're looking at it. That's why I wanted to finish my thought. Yeah, yeah, because I I was thinking economically, 
and despite living out of my car, I did just have veal f for free. <laughs> right, but I don't. I don't think that that's. I don't think that's the crisis that that white people are in. Uh, uh, yeah, I think. I, I think. If there well, is a it crisis, is to some extent. It's not knowing what it means to be white in an increasingly pluralistic uh, pluralistic's not really the right word but diverse i guess um, the, the crisis America. the the crisis in a larger sense is that the rich white people aren't helping the poor white people or the poor people in general yeah and so that yeah, divide continues that divide continues to increase mm -hmm. so so that's that's the crisis I guess if you call that a crisis, I mean it's a crisis because I, I, I'm hesitant to call it a crisis because it sounds like it it is detrimental to the inherent power of white people, which I don't want it to sound like that because I don't think that's the case. But like, it's a crisis in that people continue to be left behind and forgotten because of the negligence and racism of other white people I think uh, yeah uh, yeah I forget what I was going to say something about Gotham maybe but that doesn't that makes a little sense the TV show no <laughs> just the city um, like from back oh uh, yeah, I was going to talk about Beyonce and Jay-Z, which also makes a little sense. But they talk about if you have enough money that you can change the power structures. And I because I, I think because I read an article about um, Beyonce being a like co-editor of September's edition of Vogue. I read a mm. lot of articles. I can uh, tell. <laughs> so uh, according to this article, there's just the, the mentality of the Knowles is just if we have enough money, we can change things. Mm -hmm. And I, I like to me, I th I think they're right that people with money can change things. And if people with money don't want to change things in a way that helps people that don't have money, they can do that. Like right, they you're can, gonna you're you're gonna change things one way or another if you have yeah. money. It, and it just depends on how that happens. Like, if you just spend it on yourself, then you're going to change things. And if you spend it on others, then you're also going to change things. It just depends on how that shakes down. But I think if if there is a crisis, it would be that it, it's, it's not acceptable to acknowledge that not all white people are in positions of power. Mm-hmm. Because then, then how you help them without being racist, right? Well, hopefully, I didn't say anything that was incredibly racist. Oh, we probably did, and elitist probably as well. Mm -hmm. Probably both. Though we were getting kind of uh, proletariat overthrow the bourgeoisie at the end. So, speaking of which, I am just underwhelmed with target Ugh. oh my i went to target for the first time in my life trying yeah. to find headphones mistake um, should have been a silver i just wanted to go to target um but so these headphones are fine i guess um but i was just underwhelmed i thought it was going to be just like this place of wonder and joy and a dog with a bullseye I, um, none of that was there. It was just like, it was just like, like it was just bourgeoisie Walmart. It was like Walmart, but red. Yeah, exactly. And they have Magnolia stuff. Yeah. I did pick up a copy of Fahrenheit 451. Um, uh, just cause it was, it, it was on a discount. Um, and did I read. Did it seem really fitting as well? Why? Cause everything was red. Yeah. It is, but I didn't think about it. Okay. Um, but I read a great quote from it in some article, and I was like, huh, that book seems like it's on it. Have, it, have you not read it? No, I've never read it. 
Wow. I watched the movie in 11th grade. Was it good? No. I didn't think it was good. Is that the one with who's his name in it? Who can say? I Depends don't know. on who whose his name is. I also don't remember anyone who was in that movie. Michael B. Jordan. Oh, no, no, no. That's the new version of it. I watched um, like, the one made in the 80s. I've also heard that the new version wasn't any good. It either, just so. came out like this year. I didn't know this. Uh, but uh, so I, I watched this trailer for Fahrenheit 451 new version. Mm-hmm. And they this quote that they the the chief of the firemen he was saying, oh, just what's in these books is madness. In the actual book, the quote is, it's nothing. So he gives him a in the trailer he gives him a coffee a, a copy a coffee <laughs> a copy of Franz Kafka's Metamorphosis and uh, Notes from the Underground by Dostoevsky and I was like those are two of my favorite books and he called them madness well they are they're nuts <laughs> but but that that was to me that was like oh this this movie knows what's up so I was hoping they they are not referenced at all. In Fahrenheit 451, he is more of a fan of uh, Walt Whitman and Henry David Thoreau. Mm-hmm. And the Bible. You, you know what's interesting? Speaking of um, one of those two, I forget which one. Who went to Walden? That was Thoreau. Yeah. I drive by Walden Pond. Really? Yeah, when I go home to, or back to Pennsylvania. Oh, you should visit. I know. I've I've thought about it several times. But anyways, um, I don't I don't know if I'm gonna recommend either of these things, but I'm gonna talk about them. Bring it. So on last Saturday, I went to go see the new Mission Impossible movie. Really? Yeah. Um, it kind of felt like that time. It kind of felt like that time I went and saw Independence Day two. Oh. Um, because you saw Independence Day too. Yeah, in both cases, oh. I had not seen any other movies in the series. In both cases, I was sitting there and thinking, "Huh, I should probably know who these characters are," and that would probably make it the movie seem like it would make a lot more sense. Yeah. Um. Although there are some really good, there are some really good morals in um, the new. Mission Impossible. Also, speaking of, shout out to our um, conversation at the beginning of this. The new Mission Impossible movie has like a ridiculously high score on everything on the internet right now. Yeah, people love it. And I watched it and I was like, hmm, maybe if I had seen the others. Also, I was trying to think the other – also when I was watching this, another question. Have you, are you, have you seen action movies such as the Jason Bourne films or James Bond? I've seen Bournes 1 through 3, and no D- Bonds. Are you a fan of Jason Bourne? Yes. The movies. I was trying to think the other day why I like those movies. But maybe that's a discussion for another time. Because this felt a lot like Jason Bourne. Matt like Damon's in it. Like Jason Bourne. Um, but yeah, he. there's just some, they're just some good... There's a few good morals in this one. Also, it was really confusing that his like ex-wife, who I'd never met before but everybody else knew, looked just like the new girl that he was kind of with, who I think I was also supposed to know before. Anyways, it was yeah. really confusing. Um, but if you okay, so if you have seen other Mission Impossible movies and you enjoyed them at all, you should go see this movie because you probably think it's very good and you'll probably love it. I've heard that. Um, the next movie that I watched this weekend, or yesterday, is one that I enjoyed much more, which was Mamma Mia. Oh, here we go again. No, this is, it was the first one. I hadn't seen, not the second one. I've never seen the first one. Okay. Um, if you're not familiar, shout out to our alternative name. Um, Mamma Mia is a musical based on the music of ABBA. Um, starring Meryl Streep. Really? 
and uh, Pierce Brosnan. Really? And um, Meryl Streep is in that movie. Colin Firth. Really? Everybody's in this movie, dude. Colin everybody's Firth? in this movie. Yeah. Dude, everybody's I in it. I need to watch Mamma Mia. You do. It's so good. I do recommend this movie. It's on Netflix right now. You can watch oh, it tonight. Bueno, that's not going to happen. Um, no. Yeah, because I'm convinced that you should just watch everything Meryl Streep's in. I've heard that's true. Um, but yeah, it was really good. Especially if you're a fan of, of musicals and ABBA. ABBA. And um, let's be real. Who isn't after a 12-hour car ride with... The best of ABBA. Um, I don't know. You know what my my greatest regret, though? The plot of this movie, for those of you who are not familiar, is that uh, Meryl Streep's daughter is getting married, and they don't know who the father is. And so somehow Meryl Streep's, da- Streep's daughter... she. Anyways, you'll have to meet it. There's like potentially three men who it might be... Wait, she's pregnant? No. The... No, 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 no. Meryl Streep's daughter, yeah, is getting married. Oh, Meryl we don't know Streep who doesn't know who the father is. Yes, of her daughter. Okay, okay. Right, right, right. So, in classic, anyways, this is all very, very um, musical style. The daughter figures out who these three men are and invites all of them to her wedding without telling her mother. Nice. Yeah. So lots of drama happened. I know, right? Um, also, I've I have come to the conclusion that if you ever is there a want... duet where they're separated? Sorry. Is there a duet when they're separated? What do you yeah. mean? Like two characters are physically separated, but they sing a duet together? No, 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 Ugh. no. But they do have some nice mirroring going on because it ha- because like Meryl Streep's like. Best friends are also there for the wedding, as mm-hmm. well as the daughter's best friends, and so they have this nice like parallel thing. Sorry, really what nice. were you saying? Um, I've decided that if you ever want to solve problems in a musical, all you have to do is just sit all the main characters down and have them talk for ten minutes, and then all the problems will be resolved. That's like real the, life. I, that's what I said. <laughs> like so many times. Just issues and miscommunications could just be solved if people just sat down and talked about that. Yeah. So my mec- recommendation really is just to communicate more. Mm. Strive for strive for good communication. It'll solve a lot of problems. Yeah. Bring it back to the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fahrenheit 451 is not my official recommendation because I haven't finished it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so my official recommendation is, I'm assuming you're done. Yeah. Okay, great. Is uh, Paradise Lost by John Milton. I drove something like 18 hours last weekend. No, last week. Uh, so I had a lot of time to listen to audiobooks. So I listened to John Milton's Paradise Lost almost in real time. It was crazy. The narrator wow. was flying through it, and the language is so rich that I was like, "Oh, I've got to listen to this for real." Like, wow. I actually have to pay attention to these words. It's great. Uh, so I was reading *Leaves of Grass* by Walt Whitman, and I was like, "Wait, he's trying to be like the Homer slash John Milton slash Dante of America." So I was like, "Okay, bold play, Walt Whitman." So we'll we'll hold out on leaves of grass, but uh, I was like, I need to listen to Paradise Lost because I claimed I read it during my civ lit class in college. Um, so I listened to it when I was driving forever. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. It's it's one of those books that is just like it's really influential in English literature slash language. But you don't realize that it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like, all of John's, John Steinbeck's novels' names are taken from Paradise Lost. Really? Yeah. Um, just like the feel of Lord of the Rings, uh, a lot of the magician's nephew. Um, wow. 
granted they're both influenced by the Bible. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's oh he also wants to be the Homer of uh, colonial England. He's also blind, so it hmm. really works out. Because um, yeah, it it's it's very it's an it's absolutely an epic. It starts in the right. middle of it starts with an invocation of the muse. So oh, that's how I knew that Walt Whitman was serious about trying to be Homer. Because mm-hmm. whenever you start with an invocation of the muse, then you're like okay. This guy's taking himself seriously. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's great. Yeah, read it. Or listen awesome. to it. Yeah. It's just like the language is so like rich. It's like, wow, I wish I could talk like that without people thinking I'm a lunatic. Mm-hmm. Is it like um, reading George Washington's farewell address? Even richer. Nice. Now I'm curious. It's it's like the two like vast hordes clashed in dubious battle that shook the throne of heaven, like stuff like that. It's like the whole the whole poem is like that. It's like wow. Mm-hmm. Nice. If people still talk like that, that'd be great. It would be great. Then I could, and it wouldn't seem like a crazy person. You just have to write that way, I guess. But I still seem like a crazy person, though. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Anyway. Well. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.